Hi, and welcome to the Country Hope Church podcast. We're based in regional Queensland with locations in Chinchilla, Gainda, Jandawi, and Meandara. We hope you enjoy this episode and we invite you to join us for a Sunday service. For full details, head to our website, www.countryhope.church. I want you to use your imagination this morning. Now, this could be very confronting, but it's something that I ponder occasionally. I want you to imagine that you're overseas, not in Australia, and you're in a country with far different practices to our own. And somehow you get caught up in a bit of a skirmish between locals and you're arrested by a group of militants who are opposed to Christianity. As a matter of fact, they're searching for Christians to persecute them. And so they've got you there with other Christians they've caught and they give you the ultimatum. Renounce your faith or face the consequences. And you know what the consequences will be. By the way, they're armed. What do you do? What do you do if given the stark choice, renounce your faith or face the consequences? It's easy sitting here in a comfortable church in Australia where we won't face that It's easy to think, yeah, yeah, I'd stand up for my faith, no worries. But when you're there in the situation and you know what will happen when you're put on the spot, would you take a stand of faith? We've been exploring the past few weeks what it means to be a person of faith in a practical sense. What does it mean to be a person of faith? And and we've looked at what a faith-filled person looks like. And we looked a few weeks ago at the prayer of faith, God, your will be done in me. You're in control and I'm going to trust in you. We've looked at the act of faith. When Peter stepped out of the boat and he walked on water and he took a brave risk and and it was a, a totally insane act of faith, but it was amazing. We've looked at the cry of faith. When you're in a tough time and you've got nothing left to do but hold on to God's hands, who's holding your hand, and say, God, I need you now. There's another aspect of faith that's important for every Christian, particularly for us in the 21st century in Australia. The scenario I outlined, it's not happening in Australia at the moment, but in many places in the world it currently is. Here in Australia though, we're confronted with a different type of persecution as it were, and we've got to make a stand of faith. We live in the post-Christian age. Do you know for nearly 2,000 years, Christianity was the bedrock of Western civilization. When Australia, modern Australia, was founded a couple of hundred years ago, uh, Christianity was at the core of who we were. The oldest organisation still in existence uh, in Australia is the Westpac Bank, which was founded in 1817. There was an organisation founded a week later, which was the Bible Society of Australia, which is still in operation. It's the second oldest um, uh, organisation in Australia. Even a century ago, when Australia had its first parliament, every member had to swear on the Bible. You must swear on the Bible as you become a member of parliament. 50 years ago, over 93% of the population put in the census that they were Christian. And the number of non-religion was less than 1%. Today, the last, uh, the last one that we had, the last census, only 52% said they were Christian. Over 30% said non-religion. 
We live in the post-Christian age. I read an article this week that said, in Australia, we live in the post-post-Christian age. We live in a, in a nation where the Bible is largely, largely disregarded, where Christian ethics are old-fashioned, where the church is dying, people say. The church is no longer relevant, it's dying. And yet here we are as Christians, wanting to live as people of faith in a world that's hostile to fundamentalist Christianity, they call it. And we, we've got to live as people of faith in a world that increasingly doesn't agree with us. The good news for us, though, is that God's not taken by surprise. And he's not upset that only 52% of Christians, of Australians, put down they were Christian. And he's not uh, running around heaven thinking, what am I going to do? He's in control. And he's all right with the situation. Do you know, to be honest, most of the Bible was written when Christianity wasn't the dominant culture anyway. The Old Testament was written, uh, centred on the Jewish nation, which was a small, insignificant nation when you think of history and you think of, of conquest. And, and it wasn't big militarily or socially or politically, yet God was at the centre of it and those people became the Christian church and, and the New Testament. It was written when the Roman Empire was dominant and they were just a small little sect in the Roman Empire and the Roman Empire was basically the one world government where they imposed religion and, and customs. And that's the Bible that we read. It was in those sort of eras that, that it was written. So 21st century Australia, if we're in the minority next census, it doesn't matter because God's in control. And lots of Christians throughout history, lots of God believers have been in the minority. It doesn't matter. He's in control. But we need to stand up for our faith. We need to make a stand of faith in what we believe in. I think of an account in Daniel 3 in the Old Testament, which is a great story of, of young men standing up for their faith. You might know the story from Daniel 3, where God's people were in exile in Babylon. The Babylonians had defeated them and taken them to exile, and the Babylonians were the world's dominant power. And several of them prospered, several hundred of them prospered, and they became leaders in Babylon, governors of, of provinces and, and leaders. And, and during Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar II's reign, he decided, I want everyone in my nation, all the leaders, to, to make sure they acknowledge me. So I've got to make sure they're on side of me. So he built a massive statue in, in Babylon, in the capital, and he got all these leaders in, and, and then he said, when the music plays, I want you all to bow down so that I know that you're with me, and I want you to worship this idol, because it's God. And the story goes that uh, the Jewish men that were there were required to do this. And the account says the signal was given, but three young Jewish leaders said, we will not bow down. When Nebuchadnezzar saw it, he saw it as a slight against him and his leadership and his authority. And so he called them to him and, and he was furious. This is what it actually says in Daniel 3. Nebuchadnezzar said to the three, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve me or my gods and you won't worship this gold statue? In a moment you'll hear the music again. If you don't bow down to the statue that I've made, you will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace what God will be able to save you from my power then. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered the king saying, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves in this. 
if you throw us into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us. He will save us from your power. But even if he doesn't, I want you to know this. We will not serve your gods and we will not bow down. We will take a stand of faith. What an answer from these three young men. Now that's standing firm in your faith. I don't believe what the consequences are. I know that to bow down to an idol is wrong and I refuse to do it and I will not bow down no matter what and I know God will save me but even if he doesn't, I still believe in God and I will not bow down. An amazing stand of faith. I love their absolute trust in God. The result of the story was they were indeed thrown into the furnace but when Nebuchadnezzar looked into the furnace, hopefully to see them roasting, He saw four men in the furnace. He saw the three who were not even singed. Their clothing wasn't even burnt. And then he saw a fourth man. And Nebuchadnezzar said, I see a fourth man and he looks like the sons of a god. And then he pulled the four out, the three out. And he said, this is amazing. God, your God is true. And anyone who basically bags your God, they will be destroyed. So here is some young men in the Bible who took a stand of faith. We believe in God. Uh, We will take a stand when we're pressured and we will make sure that our faith is seen by everyone. We take a stand of faith. It's inspiring. But what about 21st century Queensland? What about right here now where we are? We will, at least at the moment, we don't have to denounce, we're not forced to denounce God on the threat of death. And I can't see it happening for a while, but lots of people around the world, they're put in that position and renounce God or die. We're not persecuted like that, but we're persecuted in our own way. In our post-Christian society, there's increasing hostility towards Christianity and God. And to actually say, I'm a Christian and I take a stand of faith and that behaviour is wrong, or I believe in this it can result in all sorts of persecution. It's interesting to read what Paul, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. And he talks about Christian people taking a stand of faith. This is what he writes in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. This is the gospel by which you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise your belief is in vain. Just pause there for a moment. These are the things Paul says that as Christians, whether in the Roman era when he wrote this or in 21st century Queensland, these are the things that we must hold on to, that we must make our stand on. These are the things we make a stand of faith on. And if we don't, then our belief is in vain. And all we come to church for is for chocolate slice. But if we make our stand on this, we're actually saying, God, I believe in you, and I have total faith in you, and I'm willing to lay down my life for this. I take a stand of faith. He goes on then to explain what it is. For I received, what I received I passed on to you, and this is of first importance. That Christ died for our sin according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. 
according to scriptures. The first thing I notice about what Paul says here is he uses the term according to scriptures. And he does it a couple of times. And he makes a big thing of according to scriptures. As Christians, we take a stand of faith believing that this is God's word. This isn't just a good book. It isn't a a great book of quotes. It's actually God's word to us. It's an interesting book. It's 66 different books written over a thousand year period by different authors. Yet when it all comes together, it is actually God's revelation of who he is to us. And this book, it tells me who God is. It tells me who I am and how he relates to me. It actually tells me how I can find God for myself. And it tells me how to live a life that God wants me to live. This is God's word for me. Now, if you say that publicly these days in Australia, there is a good chance you'll be persecuted for that. The Bible, that's old-fashioned, that's whatever. But we as Christians take a firm stand that this is God's word to us. This is God-breathed. And I believe in all my heart that this is God's revelation to me. And as I live this, my life according to this book, I know that I'm going to please God. I believe that it's the word of God. Paul writes to 2 Timothy, All scripture, the whole of the Bible is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training me in righteousness. The whole of the Bible is God-breathed. In 21st century Australia, some of the Bible isn't really trendy. It's not acceptable in good company. There are parts that you should not say. I think of a great verse in John 14 where Jesus is speaking and he says so clearly, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can know the Father except through me. Really? Like that was 2,000 years ago, surely? We can all find our own path to God and surely and isn't that a bit racist? Isn't that a bit... But what the Bible says is Christ is the only way to God. There is only one path. I am the way, the truth and the life. And here I am as a Christian today taking a faith stand to say that it's through Jesus Christ I find God and no other way. I am the way, the truth and the life. In a day where you can be sacked for simply quoting the Bible, I take my stand of faith on this. This is God's word to me. Paul then goes on to expand what we must believe. He says, what I passed on to you is of first importance, that Christ died for sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures. Now, this is a huge statement because there's a couple of things in here that are very, very... um, uh, they're not, they shouldn't be said in good company in 21st century Australia. They're very confronting. Uh, Paul says here, Christ died for our sins. I believe that every single person is a sinner. They fall short of God's standard. I believe that you can never be good enough to earn your way into heaven. I believe no matter how good I try to be, that I won't get to heaven and there's a, a weighing machine and I might get there if I'm good enough. I believe that no one's good enough to get to heaven. That's what the Bible says. And I don't believe that everyone who dies becomes a star shining. I believe that Christ died for my sin. I believe Romans 3.23 where it says everyone has sinned and fallen short of the standard that God wants. But I also believe that Jesus took my punishment. 
and that he died for my sin. And, and even though I fall short, he took my punishment and now because of him I can have a relationship with God. And I believe to do this, he must have been perfect. Jesus must have been God's son come to earth to take my punishment. He must have been the perfect one. He wasn't just a good man or a teacher. He was actually God's son who came to earth to die for me. I believe in something that's very untrendy. Romans 6.23 says, The payment of sin is death, but God gives life the free gift for, every, for, for people who will believe in Jesus Christ our Lord. I believe that to know God, I've got to accept his free gift. I also believe that there are people who will choose not to. And I believe there are consequences for that. And even though I don't fully understand it, I know that for those who believe in Jesus Christ, they have a reward in heaven. But for those who refuse to, there is eternal punishment. Now that is very untrendy to say in the 21st century. But that's what the Bible says. And I believe that I've got to take my stand on this. And this is what, uh, this is what motivates me to get out into my community and tell people about Jesus. That I see a world around me that is going towards punishment. And they've got to know God through Jesus Christ. And I have the good news of the gospel. And I take a stand on this. I take a stand on these truths. And I believe Paul talked about it here. The proof of these things is that Jesus was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And even though it's incredible to think that he would die, be put in a tomb and three days later rise from the dead, I believe it happened because the word of God says it. Do you know lots of churches in Australia don't believe that these days? It's sad to say, but sometimes when you talk to a church minister, you don't know, you have to work out whether they actually believe the Bible or not. But we as a church take our stand on this, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died, he rose again, and that we can find God through him. That's the way, and we take our stand on it. We take our stand on the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I will never renounce it. No matter what persecution I face... I will never renounce the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if I don't believe it with all my heart, then all my belief is in vain. And what's the point anyway? There are lots of aspects of the Christian faith I don't understand. There are lots of the Bible I don't get. And I've actually changed my view on issues to do with morality and how to live my Christian life as I've matured as a Christian. But there are some things that are non-negotiable. And Paul writes them here, that I find God through Jesus Christ, that he died for my sin, that he is the son of God, and I will never back down on that. And I'm aware that there are people in this church this morning who are uncomfortable with that, who thinks there are lots of paths to God, who, who don't agree with what I'm saying. But I won't bow down on these fundamentals of our faith. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, I'll read it again, you receive this good news... And you continue to be strong in it. And you are being saved if you continue in believing what I've said to you. You continue to be saved. Even if you're persecuted, you are continuing to be saved by Jesus Christ as you stand firm on the gospel. 
And I take a stand of faith on this. And I will never back down. And I believe that this is his word. And I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sin and rose again. And I believe the only way to find God is through Jesus Christ. And I will never back down from that. And so I come to that scenario at the start. Am I willing to die for the truth of the gospel? Maybe you'll never have a gun put to your head and be asked, will you renounce the gospel? But every day at work, in the community, every day you're asked that question. And maybe you won't be killed for your answer, but maybe you'll cop some flack. Maybe people won't want to talk to you anymore. Maybe you'll be laughed at. Maybe in your own way you'll be persecuted if you take a stand of faith. But the Apostle Paul says here, unless we take a stand of faith, our belief is in vain. And what's the point? This is God's word. Christ died for me and rose again. And he is the only way to find God, is through Jesus Christ. That scenario that I told you about, about being caught up and being, it's actually a true story. And it happened in, in Libya. And there were some men and they were rounded up as Christians. But one of them, he wasn't even a Christian. He just happened to be rounded up. And because he didn't belong to the same faith as the captors, they put him in the line anyway. And they went along the line and they said, will you renounce your Christian faith? Will you become part of our faith? And each man in turn said no and were executed. They finally got to this guy who was neither Christian nor he was just non-faith. And they said to him, will you renounce your faith in Jesus Christ? And he said, his last words were, well, I didn't even believe in Jesus Christ. But seeing those guys, I do now, I believe in Jesus Christ. And he was executed for his faith. You see, when you take a stand for Jesus, when you say, I will not bow down, when you say, these are the fundamentals of our faith, that I believe in with all my heart. It's amazing how God uses that faith to impact other people. And these are the things that the church was built on. And unless we believe that this is his word, that Jesus Christ died and rose again for my sin, and I can find God through Jesus Christ, unless we believe in those things, then everything we do is worthless. I choose to take a stand of faith for him. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray. This is what I want you to do this week. I want you to think about what it means for me to take a stand of faith. What does it actually look like for me? Like I said, the likelihood of you being captured and being forced at gunpoint to, to renounce your faith, it's not very likely this week in Chinchilla. But in little ways, whatever we do in the community and with other people, there could be the chance, the, the, there could be the, the, the chance that you're asked to renounce your faith so that you'll be accepted, so you won't be laughed at, so you won't be put down, whatever it is. Am I willing to stand, make a stand of faith despite the consequences? And these things that I talked about, these are the essentials of our faith that this is God's word that Jesus he, he is the son of God 
that he died and rose again because I can't make it to God. He took my punishment and that through Jesus Christ I find him. I'm willing to take a stand of faith to say these are the things I believe with all my heart and I will not bow down. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for your word. I believe it's God's word to us. I believe with all my heart that it tells me who you are, who we are, how to live my life. And even though I don't understand it all and it's an unfolding thing as I live my Christian life, as I learn it better, there are some truths of the gospel that I believe are a bedrock to who I am. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be people of faith, that we would pray the prayer of faith, that we would take acts of faith, that we would hold on to you when we're uh, feeling hopeless and helpless, it would be an act of faith. But Lord, I also pray that we as a church would take a stand of faith on the things that are really important, the bedrock of our faith. And I pray that we as a church wouldn't gather together in vain because we don't know what we believe, but instead we would be clear in our heart what we believe and we would be willing to endure ridicule, we would be willing to endure what other people think and say, that we would be willing to take a stand for our faith. Lord, I pray that as Christians, as your church, that we would never back down on the truth of the gospel because the gospel gives the power to save. And so, Lord, I pray that you would put steel in our backbone strengthen our spirits that we would take a stand of faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Country Hope Church podcast and that this episode blessed you. If you've got any questions or prayer requests, please don't hesitate to contact us through our email connect at countryhope.church. If you'd like to subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode, that would be fantastic. Otherwise, we hope to see you either online or in person at some point soon.